Hello and welcome back to Fast Charge this week. It is me again hosting the show, Toddy here, joined this week by Nyron and Lewis. Dom is still not back, although he's not in Hawaii anymore. This week we've managed to nudge him over to mainland USA. So there was a, a kind of a, a maybe about whether he's going to be join, able to join us this week, but that wasn't the case. Nonetheless, Lewis and Nyron are going to help me steer through this week's mobile developments. Uh, we're going to talk primarily about the new Moto Edge X30, which is the first phone in the world to, uh, I guess, win the crown of uh, sporting a Snapdragon 8 Gen 1, the chipset that we were talking about for the majority of last week. And then following on from that, we're going to touch on the Moto Edge S30. And then we're going to talk about uh, Oppo InnoDay, which is an annual event that Oppo runs where it kind of shows off a whole host of technologies that it's been working on and sometimes shows us some products it's actually going to launch. And I think that's the bit that I'm most interested in, but we'll get to those in a moment. Before those, we're going to touch on a few little bits of news, starting with Samsung. Now, while this is sort of a piece of spontent, I kind of liked the story because um, because of the environmental aspect, but basically uh, Samsung has partnered up with Discovery to create a short uh, wildlife documentary about tigers in India, um, and they are all of it is shot on the Samsung Galaxy S21 Ultra. Now, this is, I think, cool to see more phones being used uh, in use cases that professional cameras were, would usually be featured in. Um, I think it's kind of like a step in the right direction to show the potential of smartphone camera photography and videography and um, they've actually got a couple of um they've got a wildlife photographer and a videographer in there to help create this documentary and you can go watch it right now i think if you head to samsung's website you can find it um but yeah they're basically they're just going around india photographing and videoing with discovery's team tigers um and they've partnered up with the uh, project cat which is the kind of organization that is endeavoring to basically uh, double the population of tigers in India by 2022. So pretty optimistic, but um, I think just raising the profile of stuff like that is pretty, yeah, but raising the profile of stuff like that, I think is cool. And and mm. seeing smartphone photography being a kind of vessel for that is why I kind of like the story. I thought it was quite yeah. cool. My, um, my, so, yeah. my one worry, I think, is that they, mm. they go down the route where, you know, like the shot on iPhone campaign, and it will be shot yes. on an iPhone, but they'll use about 20 grand's worth of equipment with the phone to make it look as good <laughs> as it can be. For sure, for sure. <laughs> uh, so well, just... I mean, it, it also reminded me, Samsung kind of done this before. They have a, a thing on Hulu in the US. They, they made their whole reality TV show called Exposure, which again was using the S21. And it was uh, photographers facing off with different kind of photographic challenges to get the best shot. And then the winner won like a quarter of a million dollars. And they only had to use the S21 Ultra. That was like oh. the only limitation. Mm. Uh, which, yeah, again, I, I love that concept too. And yes, I understand that it's Samsung really just kind of trying to push how good their phone camera is, and it is oh, very yeah. good. Um, although I'd, I'd, I'd warrant that Pixel's probably better nowadays based on my experience with both devices, but don't get too upset sometimes. I know, right, yeah. Um, but nonetheless, I think, yeah, seeing smartphones get used in cases where traditional cameras get used, I am always for, there was a movie a few years back shot on an iPhone 5, I think it was, called Tangerine which was pretty uh, yeah. revolutionary for its time. Um, and there's a, there's a bunch of like examples like that. And this is another one. And also the first time I've seen it used in the context of conservation, wildlife, that kind of mm. stuff. So I thought it was a cool story. Um, going from uh, nature to absolute gamer tech is Razer has RGB chromed up a new accessory, one that uh, the reason I think it's cool is because it's the first time we've seen RGB chroma tech on an iPhone. So obviously Razer used to make the Razer phone and has informed a bunch of other gaming phones since then. Um, but they've just released a new fan, uh, the Razer phone cooler Chroma, because that's how they name their products. Um, and of course it has their Chroma RGB tech. You have an app that you can control the coloring on. It works for Android and iOS, but the uh, the Apple, the iPhone version features the MagSafe magnet. So you can literally slap it on the back of the phone and it keeps your iPhone cool whilst you're gaming, which is uh, maybe more relevant now than ever before because they finally, obviously with the Pro line this year, decided to actually give us high refresh rate displays. Thank you, yeah. Apple. Um, the only bugbear i really have about it is that even though it snaps on using the iphone's magnets you still have to plug it in mm. to get oh. the cooling so and the rgb so not quite again. as seamless I not quite as seamless as i thought like the the kind of press images just have has it floating around but then yeah. if you look at the kind of diagrams of how it fits to the phone you have to it comes with a usb c to c cable and you have to plug it in mm. so a little that's bit annoying yeah that's one of the complaints <laughs> i've had with some of like 
think like the black shark phones. Well, sure. And Aaron, you probably, you were actually, both of you guys are the perfect two to have on the show for this segment (laughs) because you take point on a lot of our gaming phone coverage. So you've both probably tested accessories like cooling fans on phones before, Uh right? Yeah. yeah, and I mean they do they do a good job. They're effective, but I much prefer the ones like some of the Red Magic phones where they're built in and a phone that's designed for that. Are Obviously, they noisy? I can't remember in your reviews of the Red Magic stuff whether the phones are actually audible when you're playing. They can. I mean, usually they're just like a background hum. Mm. There is a setting where you can like do an ultra performance mode and it goes really loud. Um, but in general, it's kind of just background noise. Right. Um, but then and then when I was when I was using it in everyday use, I just turned it off completely because I didn't need it. Um, so it's not it's not too kind of disruptive, which is good. I think um, for me, um, my my only worry about the razor one is that I don't know if it's the center of the phone that gets particularly hot when I'm playing games. And these, like, in right. my experience, it's kind of like the just top like right on, or the bottom. Yeah, like, it's sure. kind of like it's, it's, there's a hot spot somewhere, and it's never usually right smack bang in the middle of the phone. When the companies Which are is, showing off their like their new cooling internal cooling tech, be it fans or otherwise, they usually have that kind of heat map where yeah. the heat comes from and it's yeah it's usually like next to the camera on the end yeah and the exactly. fan is never placed there that's a really good no. point i never thought about that so yeah it's an odd one but nonetheless if you want a cooling fan for your iphone this is probably the first one i'd probably be okay with getting because i know i, I like razor i like their products i think they're cool and uh, just yeah first magsafe cooling fan i'd ever seen so i thought it was worth mentioning um and in, to your point and iron about noise it apparently is a quiet 30 decibels um so i don't know what that actually means in real world listening i don't know decibels just by ear but uh yeah sounds cool so you can check it out uh razor's already selling it i think it's only available in the u.s right now but check your local razor store online to see whether you can get it as well um what do we have next up oh there's a bunch of pixel stuff that happened this week uh i guess first and foremost as we are uh, as i've already touched on the pixel 6 pro which i've been using as my go-to camera because i think it is probably one of the best phones around for snapping pics right now maybe iphones if uh, you're in lewis's camp the latest iphones are also pretty much up there as well they are pretty good but um in in typical fashion they've made this a regular habit now google has dropped what it calls feature drops um which it releases usually i think last year it was three times a year um so december march june so this is the december feature drop um and it affects a bunch of previous pixels not just the pixel 6 and 6 pro but obviously the features that you get kind of vary depending on the age of your device so this is aside from the update support for security and for os updates um but yeah the main things are car crash detection is coming to more countries that was introduced on the pixel 4 in 2019 but that's now coming to i think it's uh, france italy and taiwan get car crash detection which is great for safety obviously um the ultra wideband chip which is exclusive to the pixel 6 pro we knew that in android 12 this feature was going to be supported, but the support has now finally been added. Um, and that is digital car key um, functionality. So you can literally press the tap, the top of your Pixel 6 Pro against the door handle of your 2020 to 2022 BMW. That's the only cars that support the feature <laughs> right now. And you get access to the car and then you can tap inside and start the car all with your phone, provided you've paid it first. You can't just use anyone's Pixel 6 Pro to get into your BMW. Don't worry. Um we have, oh yeah, nearby shares improved as well with ultra wideband, which is a faster, more secure way of locally sharing content with other ultra wideband devices. But right now it is just Pixel 6 Pro to 6 Pro, but that should expand over time. Uh, quick tap to snap was something that the company teased at launch, which is Snapchat on Android is typically pretty rubbish, uh, mainly because it uses the viewfinder. The Pixel should have a better camera experience already, but also the back tap feature that was introduced in Android 12 as a sort of shortcut that adding in the Snapchat support so you can jump straight to Snapchat without unlocking your device, grab the snap you want to snap, and then you're good to go. You can still unlock the device and then kind of do stuff with it beyond just sharing within the Snapchat app. Uh, new languages for recorder transcription, which if you've used that recorder app is amazing already. It's really, really solid stuff. But now it also supports German and French and Japanese as well as English. Um, hard of hearing, sound amplifier, if you um, struggle to hear. They have a new conversation mode that is designed to specifically pick out voices and filter out background noise around voices, which is really cool, I think. Um, and there's a couple more things. I'm not going to go through everything else. There's some new wallpapers. There's some new um, audio controls if you are a Pixel Buds A wearer. And uh, now playing the kind of song recognition feature has got a few kind of extra tweaks to it too. And like I said, this is from the Pixel 3 right up to the 6 Pro, but... The features that you're getting depend on your device. That's all on an article we have on Tech Advisor. So you can go check that out right now if you want to know what features you're going to get. 
Um, now, I was initially hoping Chris is going to be on to talk a little bit about the um, Pixel Watch because we've had a few more developments this week in Pixel Watch land, namely um, a few additional shots that look like they come internally from Google showing off the watch in some leaked slides. They are much uh, like the renders we've already seen from the likes of John Prosser, which he produced way back when earlier in the start this year, I think it was, or at least in the first quarter. Um, so it has this very rounded form. But also the slides confirmed the Pixel Watch name. That was another thing that we'd seen before. Um, Prosser also kind of went to task on, I can't remember which other publication it was right now, but they'd published a piece as if it was new information. But it was all basically just stuff he'd mentioned at like in March or something like that. So yeah, it was uh, pretty awkward to watch him go through that one. But nonetheless, Pixel Watch is still coming. Apparently we're going to see it very, very soon now, especially now these these leaks have just come to light. So if you're excited for the Pixel Watch, you shouldn't have too much longer to wait. Um, and the last thing that I thought was interesting before we get into the main topics was WhatsApp is trialing cryptocurrency. So WhatsApp, which if you have forgotten somehow, is owned by Facebook, now Meta. Um, in the US, they are trialing just the ability to send... Uh, cryptocurrency using the Novi digital wallet. I'm not a cryptocurrency expert, so I can't speak to this. Do either of you guys have any crypto involvement at all? Or have you looked into <laughs> it? I no. bought um, £50 worth of Shiba Inu and it's now worth mm. £30. So, Oh, wow. It, it's going to come <laughs> back not. around, man. Just hold on hope. <laughs> Don't ask me Believe for any advice money. on that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah, maybe we're not the target audience right now, but just the fact that a platform as <laughs> prevalent as WhatsApp is integrating crypto into it. I think it's just another step in the kind of direction of, uh, yeah, crypto's kind of rise. Taking the um, world over. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I heard this week as well, separately from mobile stuff, that um, NatWest is expecting to be trialing the digital pound in the next, like, year or so. So I uh, don't know what that exactly means for Makes the UK me economy, but we'll have to be very scared. I'm very scared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe be scared. That's probably the air on the side of caution. That's what I'd be doing anyway. Um, but yeah, so that is everything I think we want to talk about news-wise this week. So we're going to move on to, as I mentioned earlier, the Moto Edge X30 and its new sibling, the Moto Edge uh, S30. I mean, names, phone names, always confused. Um but yeah, basically, Motorola uh, was one of those brands that, as we mentioned last week, was down to launching a device running on the Qualcomm Snapdragon 8 Gen 1, Qualcomm's new flagship chip, built on a 4 nanometer process, presumably or thought to be built in partnership with Samsung. Um, and they beat Realme, who were also supposedly meant to be launching or at least showcasing their new phone today, the Realme GT2 Pro. Um I've been refreshing Realme's like social feeds in China all day long. And all I've found so far is that someone, there's an event going on in China, like a camping event in a park somewhere in China, in like inner city with Realme fans. And one of those fans has been given like the chance to hold the Realme GT2 Pro. So someone has one, but they've not published any specs or any photos of the phone. So aside from the stuff we've already got through leaks and through what uh, Realme has teased, we still don't actually have any more information on their first true premium flagship, to quote it, which is also going to be powered by the same chip. So Motorola has beat Xiaomi to the punch as well, that means, um, with the yeah Moto Edge X30. I don't know if you guys have looked at the specs yet or gleaned anything from what you've seen online about this device, but I wondered if you had any impressions so far. I mean, uh, uh, before I before I go any further, sorry, I just want to say um, I'm getting a notification to say that there's a few drop frames. Um, we're hoping it's going to fix itself in the next couple of minutes, so we should okay. be good. But just in case anyone's watching and there's a few drop frames, we're aware of it and we're trying to fix it. So, but um, cool. on on the Moto stuff, I, I I really like the the Edge X30. I think the specs mm. are solid. The 144 hertz refresh rate is really nice. Um, yeah, something we've already seen from the Edge range at the upper end, but like having this plus the Snapdragon chip, all of it yeah. just seems really impressive to me as well. And, and I think it's a 50 megapixels selfie camera as well, if I remember correctly. They've gone is... for a, actually, that's a good point. The selfie camera is probably the most interesting thing beyond the chipset. So it's actually a 60 megapixel selfie camera, Ooh. but there's a special edition version of the X30 that has an under display camera. So this also technically is Motorola's first phone with an under display camera. They didn't say what the pixel density of the area over the under display camera is. So like, unlike the, I think it's a ZTE Axon 30, yeah. which was a greatly improved it was very by good. ZTE, right? Like, did you? Was that the one you tested? Yeah, that's the one I looked at. Yeah, that I, right. I, I tried to look for it, and you can see it at angles. But you know, if you're looking dead on, it's basically unnoticeable. It's amazing. 
Amazing, yeah. So this is Motorola's first effort. I do not know how it compares because they weren't giving details, and I've not. I've only seen press renders uh, right now, but I'm hoping it's good. Like. I'm hoping it's better than Samsung's effort. Obviously, that was on a folding device, and there's a whole host of other things going on there. But still, yeah, I've, I've got higher hopes for this than I did the the Z Folds, <laughs> Z Fold Three front camera. Oh yeah, that was um, not great. Disappointing. Uh, yeah, <laughs> is one word I would use. But yeah, so as you say, uh, high res front camera. So I guess it's high res, especially with the under display special edition, because you're going to lose some of that clarity by shooting through a layer of pixels. I guess. Um, and then on the back, it's the 50 meg sensor. It's a 50 meg main and a 50 meg ultra wide. The main has OIS. It's an Omnivision sensor. Um, typically, I've not from the few Omnivision sensors I've seen on phones, um, like for like, they don't usually compare quite as well to Samsung's ISO cell sensors or Sony sensors. Um, but that's not to say this won't be a good camera. Um, I can't think. And Niron, have you reviewed any Motorola phones recently? I'm actually reviewing one right now. The oh, 60S. Hey, that's a budget phone. Perfect. So. Yeah, that's the problem. There's budget. <laughs> so it's so completely it's on the other end, really. <laughs> um, I mean, obviously, for a while, Motorola's been prioritizing this budget mm. space, and they've got so many different phones in here. So it's kind of nice to see it break out of that and think, well, we can try and make a flagship. We can make something that actually competes with other flagship phone manufacturers. Um, yeah, this yeah. phone in particular, I like. I mean, I like the look of it. It seems to. Take a look, but I think the big sticking point, particularly on the signature, um, on the special edition, will be how good the selfies actually are. Because obviously, we've seen before that it's been um, quite patchy and obviously worse compared to like regular phone mm. selfie cameras. Um, but if it can at least improve or like set the new standard for that, I think it could be really promising. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I agree. I mean, yeah, like like you say, and Aaron, they've been focusing on kind of budget to mid range space, and it, and they do work well where, well there. Um, but there, I there is definitely a place for Motorola in the high end market because mm. it's just so clean. The Android software it comes with is so clean that itself is such a USP um, in the high end market. You know, I mean, for better or worse, most of the the you know flagships are tweaked in some way, shape, or form in terms of software. So to get that stock experience without having to go down the pixel route would be for me, a welcome change anyway. Yeah, they, they call their interface Motorola, they call it MyUI. So it isn't just like, they don't just call it, it runs stock Android. They say no. it is a skin, yeah. but it's, yeah, it's the lightest skin out there. It's, I think yeah. all that really means is like the like few Moto apps for like tweaking certain settings and like the gestures to like quick yeah. launch the flash on the camera and stuff as a torch. Yeah. And to be honest, they're Actually, pretty handy. Like they're genuinely Yeah, they're so features. good. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah the... The uh, the X30 is Android 12, MyUI 3.0. And whilst we'll get to it in a bit, the uh, S30, I don't know why I really struggle with these names, is Android 11, interestingly, uh, with MyUI 2.0. So I don't know what additional features 3.0 brings to the table, but if you want the latest and greatest right now, the X30 is the only phone running Android 12 with MyUI 3. Um, wow. So I just thought that was interesting, like differentiation, and also what get was me the, one of those. Yeah, what was that? Was it ready for? Is that the desktop experience? Yeah, ready for. They don't. I don't think they call it that in China. From what I could glean from the Chinese site, I don't speak any Chinese languages, so I can't say you for don't? sure. I, I mean, I know what. <laughs> who am I? Tech surprise, journalist to speak Chinese. Surprise, I know, surprise. Right? Yeah, I was using Google Lens, like translate, holding my phone to my laptop screen, watching the Chinese we've all stream. Been there. Trying to we've bleed. all been yeah, there. We've all been there. <laughs> Uh, trying to understand what the heck was going on but um yeah it looks like it does support ready for as well um although they only showed it in wired form i know that with the edge 20 series depending on the model you went for um there was a wireless option as well i'd be surprised if wireless wasn't also on the table they just didn't show that in the diagrams and stuff that they were showing off um but yeah the the under display camera for me i think is is maybe more exciting in a kind of practical like tangible way um the chipset is obviously very exciting. The benchmark scores that they they did show off an Antutu benchmark score on stage, which very closely matches the leaked benchmarking scores just for the chipset that we saw in the run up to the Snapdragon 8 Gen One reveal last week. Um, in that it passes the million mark on Antutu, which I don't think any other chips have done that aren't an 8 Gen One, um, except for maybe the Dimensity 9000. But again, Don was covering that one, so I don't I don't want to don't quote <laughs> me on that. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, it all seems very good in terms of the pairing of that super clean user experience and super high-end, super early to market for Motorola 
to take such an aggressive stance is just something I'm not familiar from like with the brand. So I think it's really nice to see. Um, so yeah, I hope we do get it elsewhere, but right now I, there's no signs that it's going to be anywhere else other than China. So I don't know whether it's because it's now owned by Lenovo that it does particularly well in the Chinese market specifically. And that's why they're concentrating this high end device on that market or not. But like you, I think Lewis, you reviewed the edge. Was it the motor edge or the edge S? Uh, it was the edge. It was the, the edge. first. Yeah, yeah. The first, the first curved one. The the, the closest to a flagship. <laughs> the one that actually while. justified the name Edge. Yeah, whereas I don't one, think this one the has only a one. Screen either. <laughs> yeah, no. They, <laughs> yeah. they canned it after that, but they kept the brand for some reason. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I really enjoyed. Like, I mean, it was it was still distinctly mid range. I think it, it still cost yeah. around around the five hundred mark. It wasn't mm. true flagship territory, mm. but for, for the price of it, it was a nice experience. Like, the, the, I'm not a huge fan of curved displays, but it was a very nice curved display. Mm. Um, and I was quite pleasantly surprised by the cameras as well because I'd only previously used it on their budget stuff and it's fine but you know it's, it's not groundbreaking so to see sure. what they can do with higher end tech so I was like okay it's it's it, I'm I'm here for that but yeah it does seem to be a trend that they just don't release their high-end stuff outside of China because like you said there's been a few more edges uh, released in China that we haven't really seen over here yeah for so, sure uh, and then there was also the confusing was it the Edge S Pro or the Edge Pro was effectively the Moto G100 yeah but like, yeah, yeah. so there's, there's branding confusion and... and there's just like market differentials that we can't kind of... Uh... I can't believe that Motorola has branding issues. What a shock. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was the brand that first set me off about yeah. the kind of confusing names. And they've already messed up the G the G range again with the G10 and G20 <laughs> and G30 and all that stuff. Yeah. What, yeah. Is it the G61 you said you're testing? G60S. G60S? Yeah. What's that? S? It's not even a name. <laughs> I don't know. It's not even a number. Oh. And I took delivery of the G31 today, so wherever that fits in. Makes no sense. Yeah, um, I think we reviewed the G30 this year as well, so we're already on G31. I don't know. Motorola, forever confusing, especially when you take into account the different markets where they were <laughs> launching the same phone under a different name. Uh, nonetheless, this is, I think, an impressive piece of kit just based on the hardware specs. You know, I, feel, I didn't mention a few other bits. We talked OLED display. 144 hertz, I think you mentioned, Lewis. Um, 6.8-inch screen, I should say. Only full HD, but that's fine. I think most people, that's not really a big issue. And if you're getting yeah, really. uh, a Snapdragon 8 Gen 1 this early on in the game, that's pretty cool. 5,000 mAh battery, 68 watts wired charging. I don't think any wireless charging. But 68 watts is pretty good too. Um, not obviously groundbreaking, but still up there um, versus most of the average kind of flagships you'll find right now. Um, the thing that really struck me was the pricing as well. They are being, I think, pretty aggressive with the pricing. They they put the a few of their competitors up first. So I think they had like the the top spec on a Magic Three, and they had the Vivo Eight Pro Plus, um, and all the pricing. And this kind of is undercutting them. So the base model comes in at two thousand nine hundred ninety nine yen. Which, if I do a quick conversion, because I'm organized <laughs> like that, um, 2999 yen works out to about just under 360 quid, uh, 415 euros, $470. So obviously that is because there's no shipping import tax yeah. on that price. All that so, lovely stuff. But within China, even that I think is a good price, like an incredible price, I think, for what you're getting. Um mm. So yeah, they're being pretty aggressive and bullshy in a way that I'm not used to seeing Motorola be. So maybe Motorola's making a play. Like maybe now is the time Motorola's going to shine. 2022, yeah. watch out, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it feels like. Just going back to the, the point about almost their reluctance to release these higher end phones outside of China. It feels yeah. like maybe they're trialing it in their market, and that's not selling particularly well. It's not particularly resonating with people, so they're like. We'll stick to what we know in Western markets. It's kind of, it's kind of hard well, because to their affordable stuff does so well internationally. Yeah, and, and yeah. because it would be a risk and it could backfire in terms of their reputation for flagship phones. I don't know. It's, it's kind of difficult. You, I would have thought that they would have come out with like a really proper high-end flagship by now, just considering how many years of making budget phones they've had. Yes, yeah. yeah. so I thought I mean, there'd be another foldable razor by this point. Mm. But I mean, we just, need that one. Never came. Like Samsung is leaving them in the dust Literally. in a kind of horizontal folding clamshell space right now. Samsung's leaving everybody. They're on like their third <laughs> generation and everyone else is like, we'll do one in the next few years. Yeah, we'll get around to it. Yeah, we'll do it I'm not point. sure. It, 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 it is odd that you say, you know, are they being 
is it trepidation or are they being because like they did do you know they sold the, the probably the most successful modular phone the market ever saw or modular phone yeah. series i should say yeah um mm-hmm. with the, was it the moto z range um the, the latter models anyway um and they've done some you know their their roots are all in crazy and weird and wonderful form factors before smartphones were even a thing you know the razor was the original razor was standout in its time we had yeah. some swivelly motos as well one of my earliest um, motorola phones was a special black eyed peas edition of a oh, phone. wow and it had little leds on the sides that would light up whenever you played music so yeah hey that's kind of cool i like that up. Yeah, I miss I miss <laughs> crazy Motorola. <laughs> um, I miss crazy phone designs in general. I think I think we talked about this in our uh, the death of LG episode when they kind of were bowing out of the market, but they were like one of the last big brands that I think really pushed unusual phones, especially in yeah. the smartphone space. Mm. Um, but yeah, the the Motorola that we see today is a lot more sedate and a lot safer than I think it was even like a few years ago. But at the oh, same yeah. time, this might be a, another kind of change for them i don't know like obviously they've already re- released a few kind of flagship class devices but this one feels particularly potent and i've also was surprised that they even beat xiaomi to the punch and yeah they were in getting a phone to market <laughs> so keen like the phone is announced today 9th of december as we record this um the x30 goes on sale in china i should say or or hits pre-order i'm not exactly sure but it's available to put money down on as you know it's available for for pre-order right now actually uh, excuse me but it's available to buy on the 15th so next oh, week nice. so it's real soon mm-hmm. i still think that's before xiaomi gets the xiaomi 12 phone out on the market or at least announces it so yeah impressive stuff xiaomi, uh, in the flagship space i was wondering how how successful are these phones obviously there's all these manufacturers scrambling to be among the first of the new chipset mm. do they are they usually successful or are they just like usually a spec bump just with the new chip and basically the same phone or how much of an upgrade genuinely generally are the the early adopters do you think i was looking back at i think because the technically the xiaomi 11 which was then called the mi 11 it launched at the end of last year in china but didn't launch globally until 2021 at the very start of the year um and i think that for a long time stood as a very solid device even up against um you know what came after it the samsung galaxy s21 the oppo find x3 pro like these these high high end phones um i guess it didn't quite have the same sting it was definitely about getting the chip in there first and foremost mm. personally anyway this is my perception of it um that's also why they brought the mi 11 ultra to the table with the island of a camera bump and the crazy rear screen on the camera module and all that stuff later to kind of keep keep the uh interest alive in the mi 11 name um but yeah yeah you're probably right they they are first and foremost just spec bumps to be there but i think Xiaomi particularly did quite a good job with that upgrade from their previous flagship. It felt yep. more substantial than just getting the new chip in there, which not is isn't always true. I think who who is like that. I mean, Sony was kind of guilty of that. The the Xperia One Mark Three had an interesting camera, but beyond that, it felt like the same phone uh, as the previous model, going from the eight six five to the eight eight eight. I think that's right. Um, so yeah, it definitely yeah. depends on the brand. Mm. And I think I think these brands who do like the mid-cycle refresh, mm-hmm. so if they're doing like a every six months and then they have the S model, it's yeah. typically when it's just new internals and that's it. And then they maybe once a year they'll actually put more effort to genuine upgrades. I mean, we can hazard a guess at what Motorola is going to come up with. Moto Edge X30 Plus, based on the previous <laughs> Edge phones, yeah. that's my guess. But yeah. at this point, it's anyone's guess. Like. Who knows? I'm sure there's just a dartboard with names and, and brands, <laughs> and they just go, what are we going to call this one? Okay. Yeah, this one's going to be a moto. Okay, it's going to have a number and a letter. Oh, yeah. It's going to have a plus or a pro. But this time, yeah. we're going to do the letter first. There's three dartboards <laughs> and two blindfolds and 12 darts, and they just see what happens. <laughs> um, oh. But yeah, that is the X30, as I said, yeah. So it's coming out basically in the next week if you're in China. Um, awesome for you. If you hear anything, let us know if it's coming out. Well. We'd love to get hands on it and play with it and test it out for sure. Um, but also a kind of more of a surprise because the X30 was actually also, as well as mentioned by name before the phone was launched, leaks had already gotten out. I think and 22 scores, like I said, had already gotten out on this device as well as just general testbed stuff. Um, but what I wasn't expecting, and I don't think many people knew about in terms of 
I think there'd been a couple of leaks within the week before launch, but the Moto Edge S30, uh, which is effectively the baby brother, they're about the same size. I think they both have a 6.8 inch display. Um, but and, and the uh, or it's a bit bigger actually, excuse me, but it's an LCD panel rather than OLED. Still 144 hertz. It's a variable refresh rate as well, which is quite nice. Um, still full HD, as I said, Android 11, my UI 2.0 rather than the latest version of Android. Um, the big hook is it has a Snapdragon 888 Plus, which Ugh. is still so new in my head. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's like three phones I can think of that have yeah, one of those literally. in them. And I think we can buy one of them. So yeah, the fact that, again, Motorola is being so bullshit getting the, the new chip out, it barely gives time to kind of savor the, the 888 Plus, which it's interesting, is also like... a very good chip kind of begs the question did there need to be an a88 plus because i had that same thought last year as well because there's like they release it too close to when they announce the new chips yeah which is always in like november end of november early december exactly it's too close so it doesn't give it any time to shine yeah kind of yeah you just kind of then forget about it and then you're on to the next one where there's even more performance gains and you're like well why am i gonna you know there's this one here so i can use yeah I don't know. Yeah, I, I think they're definitely a, a month or two too late on the announcements on that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. And then obviously it takes manufacturers a little bit of time to actually get them into phones and uh, get them out the door. So, yeah, all these added delays, are kind of just, I mean, <laughs> well, not that, not too much time, I guess, in the case of the, what's been like just over a week yeah. since the chip was announced that they've managed to get it in a phone. But yes, I, I know what you mean. I know what you're saying. Generally speaking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, like another 888 plus phone, there's only a handful out there. Um, I think China is probably the most prevalent market to have them already. So this is maybe launching into the toughest market it could launch into in terms of competition. But 888 um, plus? Nah, don't care about that. I've already got <laughs> Yeah, well, especially as they kind of launched it alongside the new the new guy. But yeah, it is it's... significantly cheaper. If the 8 gigabyte, 128 gigabyte, 8 gigabyte RAM, that is, excuse me, um, base model of the X30 comes in at 2,999 yen. Uh, the base six gigabyte of RAM, one twenty eight gigabyte S thirty comes in at one thousand nine hundred ninety nine yen, so that is two hundred thirty seven pounds, like two hundred forty quid. Not bad. That's really. I mean, that bad. is that, that's skimming what we would consider. That is, yeah, that's that's within our budget range in yeah. our budget charts on our website. I don't know, an eight 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 plus, <laughs> which is crazy to think about. This is the only good. This is the only benefit to them releasing them so quickly is that they drop in price so dramatically. So yeah, you get the good performance without paying the price. Yeah, I assume the the price of the putting an eight 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 plus into your phone has gotten cheaper for manufacturers since they announced the eight Gen one. Yeah. So I mean, depending on when they started the the development process for the S thirty, yeah probably good for them as well motorola on the manufacturing side that it probably cost less to make than it would have done had they released it even a week earlier I yeah don't know. exactly yeah so uh, yeah that's 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 kind of like one of the main concerns i'm having with the g60s because it uses a, uh, a mediatek helio g95 which has been around for a while is which that has right? been around since september of last year right and i'm thinking it's like around the i think 230 pound mark i'm thinking i'm looking at all these phones around this this price point and they're putting like flagship chipsets or really yeah, powerful and the performance is just not quite there and it's makes it much harder to recommend yeah i think that's probably like when i think about motorola's marketing especially in the budget and the mid-range and actually not just motorola a bunch of brands nokia as well as a great example they always try and push the lifestyle and the functionality of the phone over oh, yeah. any of the hardware on, on offer yeah. which is obvious like you understand why if you think about it for two seconds but like yeah that's probably why, because they're using an older chip, and I'm like, oh, okay. Um, yeah. And did you say it was over 250 quid in the UK? The phone. It's. I think it was 220 or 230, something like that. Okay. So okay. It's, okay. The, upper, so it's, it's still, the upper end of budget, but still. But it is still budget. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Then I can't be too hard on it, can I? Even if there are phones that are pretty much what I think there's a, a Xiaomi with a snap the Poco phone. One of the Poco phones I think has an 870 in it, mm. in the budget range. So, and sure enough, we'll get an 888. Poco phone, I think, in the start of the new year, that's probably oh, going to yeah. be budget as well. Like yeah. knowing, knowing them, knowing Xiaomi and their aggression. <laughs> um, yeah, the the S thirty, as we're just still touching on on specs and stuff. As I said, six gigabytes of RAM is the base, but it does go up to twelve gigs of RAM. Um, UFS three point one storage, nice and fast. Instead of the dual fifty meg sensors that the X thirty has, it's a one hundred eight meg main sensor, a thirteen meg ultra wide, and then like the X thirty, they both have a two megapixel depth, which is 
fine it depends <laughs> and, how yeah. good it is Whatever. i've never been particularly enamored by motorola's i think their camera ui is already easy to use but in terms of camera quality and ability i just never think they quite nail it and i don't no. know why they struggle so much with that it's because they go through so many phones they don't spend any time working on the uh, <laughs> maybe, the maybe. ISP. <laughs> yeah but then you look at xiaomi and they're like oh well xiaomi, point, xiaomi actually, knows yeah. what they're doing they, can do they it. do yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, also, you don't get the crazy 60 meg front facing or under display option. There's none of that. It's just a, a regular 16 meg uh, f2.2 front facer. So a lot more modest overall. But it's that is genuinely just just a phone that you'd buy for the chipset and the price. Oh, the combo sure. there is, is sure. yeah, um, yeah, pretty. They both have 5,000 milliampere battery, so it's good either way. But uh, yeah, that chipset is is the hook. Because I was yeah, I was doing some research on terms of like Motorola's how long they support. Um, phones with software updates and that's i think two years but then if you're getting a phone with android 11 out of the box yes. then you're probably only going to get to android 13 next year and then it won't be updated after that which feels like quite a limited lifespan for a and i think it was the i think it was phones. the edge 20 range when that launched initially they had to reverse either an official line or a typo or whatever but initially it was one os update and that was it for all of their phones across the range across their at then top end range internationally or Europe in Europe at least, which is crazy. And that was what we said at the time. Well, that's what I said. It was crazy to, to be launching a phone at the kind of prices they were expecting people to pay when their competitors were yeah. offering so much more. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that is a huge hesitancy with me. I mean, we're seeing green initiatives from various brands, I think more and more than we've ever seen before, especially in the last year or so. Uh, with reusing your old device or keeping your device going for longer. Like the Pixel feature drops that I mentioned at the start of the app are all about that in terms of giving even the older phones new functionality, even beyond the OS updates and the security updates. Um, and Motorola just has really, I don't know if it's a resource thing or if it's just a strategy thing. They just hope people buy the new one, buy the new phone. They just hope that they're so yeah. cheap that they will just upgrade every year. I think that's what they're so. relying on. They're just like, well, we're only charging 200 quid, so you can spend another 200 quid in a year's time, can't you? Yeah. But in a market that is already stuff. like pretty unsustainable, yeah. I think, yeah. in the long run. Like, I know. Oh, a, I hate it. Trust me. Yeah. That's this a is, losing strategy right this there. This is why <laughs> I'm, you know, I, I am a huge fan of, of, of iOS and, and all that stuff because, you know, totally say agree. what you will about Apple, but they will support your device for years. Like, was even, it the 6S got iOS 15? 6S got iOS 15, yeah. That's craziness. The iPad Air 2, which was released in 2014, wow. also got iPad oh, OS 15. Was it the Air 2 they got rid of the laminated display? It was like the Air 1 had it and then the Air 2 lost it. Anyway, so yeah. <laughs> getting off topic, but I was really upset about that. The and then it came, I remember. it came back on the, on the entry-level iPad and David hated exactly. the laminated and display. Now it's all good. Everything's <laughs> fine again now. Um, I think that's enough Motorola chat for now. But yeah, hopefully we'll know more about whether these phones are going to launch internationally soon. Um, if not, yeah, if you're in China, then you are very lucky in a very select group of people who have access to <laughs> what is effectively one of the most, uh, I guess, cutting edge phones on the market right now, thanks to that chipset. Um, but yeah, we'll touch back on that if we hear more. Uh, in the meantime, we're now going to move over to, I guess, fellow Chinese rival Oppo. Um, it is just about almost time for Oppo Inno Day 2021, which if you don't know, I think we've had Hannah on in the past. She actually attended Oppo Inno Day, the last one before, I think 2019, before lockdown um many moons ago now but uh yeah it is basically the company's um uh dedicated event where they showcase not really new product like explicitly but new technologies that they've been working on for some some of them years in in the making and some of the things aren't finished or aren't ever meant to kind of reach consumers they're just to show off what they're working on and, and how that might translate into consumer products that they're working on um as is the case with LG, with OnePlus, despite this event happening next week, they just can't, they just can't keep quiet. They just have to tell us a little bit here and there about what they're launching. And so that's what we've, we've got this week to talk about is we already know effectively some of the main things they're going to be showing off, uh, which in the mobile sector or wearables and mobile, let's say, is a new NPU, neural processing unit. Um, some new smart glasses, AR smart glasses. We saw a cool camera that's like a, a motorized telescopic zoom effectively, but on a smartphone. And then we saw they've teased their first foldable and even given it a name, the Oppo Find N. Um, have either of you guys looked at any of the stuff in any detail so far, seen anything mm -hmm. about it in the run up to Inno Day or, or anything like that? Um, I, oh, go on, Larry. I was just going to say, yeah, I mean, I've, I've had a look at it 
I just had a look at, I think it's like that 15 second teaser video they released. Yeah, it's all very it, short stuff. There's yeah, not a huge yeah. amount to go on here, but it, I thought it would be more good to speculate about what they might be doing with these things. Mm. And then we'll learn next week. I presume we're going to cover it, if not on Fast Charge on the website, we already, I know, have content planned. So yeah, I was curious to see what you guys were thinking they might be doing with this stuff. And then uh-huh. we can kind of marry that up with what <laughs> actually happens next week. Uh, yeah, I mean, um, I've got a bit of a prediction on the AR side of things because oh shoot, yeah, um, Qualcomm because they've they announced AR glass AR glasses uh, last year, year before. Yeah, I think twenty twenty. I think was yeah, when they first showed with, us some AR glasses, and they were talking about a release in twenty twenty one. Obviously, that's not happening at this point. Um, sure. <laughs> but what makes me think next year is going to be interesting um, is mm. because Qualcomm re- has announced their AR platform uh, a few weeks ago which aims ah. to kind of simplify the AR development process for these exact glasses. So instead of having mm. to design for a specific set of glasses, you'll just design for the platform and they'll work on all of glasses. Um, oh, and I, I, my theory has been, I wrote this in my opinion piece when I covered it at the time, is that, um, that the Oppo AR glasses will be running that or some version of that. Um, and that'll be probably one of the first pairs to come out next year. Um, and I got a thumbs up from Qualcomm on Twitter, so I don't know what that means. But when oh, I tweeted it, they gave hey, me a little. Heard it here first, guys. They gave me a little thumbs up. So uh, we'll see. <laughs> what happens there. I'm going to run on Qualcomm hardware, confirmed by a tweet <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess, I guess uh, a point that we've talked about with VR stuff as well, or any gaming stuff really, is it's about the content to make the product work. Oh yeah. So if if Qualcomm being the bridge like that kind of makes sense as they're likely to be the one whose silicon is in all these products or most of these products um i guess it would be kind of like nvidia does sort of <laughs> it's a weird yeah. kind of halfway house between the two brands but um yeah i guess having a qualcomm being the not the gatekeeper but the the person the, the brand to help facilitate content across a range of different devices from different manufacturers that all try and access the same kind of experience be it ar or vr or whatever that makes sense to me in a, in a weird way. Uh, I can see it happening that Qualcomm teams up to be the content manager, let's say. Yeah. Um, not necessarily the creator of content, but like the, yeah. what, the curator. Mm-hmm. Um, and you go through some sort of Qualcomm hub on these AR glasses. That's basically, yeah. That's that's, good. That, that's what it sounded. Well, from my interpretation yeah. of what they explained is that's kind of how they, they see themselves. Um, and they'll also be helping developers directly with uh, mm. resources and all that kind of stuff and they've got like a dedicated ar space on their website that developers can sign up to already and start getting help with uh developing kind of xr applications and that kind of stuff so yeah i just think the timing is 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 good convenient yes and there's also like niantic and a few others are also rumored to be working oh, sure. on smart glasses that all seem to be converging towards the 2022 release so which so. if you don't recall for those listening or watching niantic pokemon go that's them yeah, <laughs> the <laughs> Harry Potter one that I forget what it's called that not Wizards Unite played which that one got disbanded. Did anyone play that? No, that's done. That, oh that's really? Done. Wow, yeah, they they didn't it. Yeah, that's done. They, oh, they, boy. they shut it down a few weeks ago, I think. Or Ooh, they, they announced the shutdown a few weeks ago, and it's happening soon. I, one of them, it's dead. Don't bother playing. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah. Uh, well, I know Pokemon Go is still going because I think Ed Sheeran's going to appear in Pokemon Go for some reason. But yep. that's that's oh, another really? story yep. for another day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I guess whilst we're still on the AR side of things or the virtual side of things, uh, one of the things they are doing this year because of obviously everyone's still kind of stuck at home for the most part um, is they have inner world as well. So you're actually going to be able to access the event virtually through a fully 3D realized space. I'm not exactly sure how you access that. But yeah, I'll try to scroll through their their little press release to work out yeah. how, exactly how it's done. Um, you can make fun inner world avatars. I don't know if you can even see that, but uh yeah. But I don't think it's VR in the way that we think it's VR. I think it's just no, like a game no, world that, that you can just yeah. control an avatar and not like you're actually there like most people would assume with a virtual experience. For sure, for sure. Yeah. A bit um, misleading, but there we are. Yeah, quite. <laughs> but yeah, the, the that's probably the, the, let's say the sexier of the two kind of, they've grouped together for the first day. Even though it's called Inno Day, it's actually taking place over two days, I'm sure, if if not more. Inno so Day. the 14th and the 15th. Inno yeah. Day, brackets S. Um, so yeah <laughs> as well as these smart glasses which you don't know what they're going to be called yet or if they have a brand name or if they're even going to ever be pushed not just to consumers but to b2b as well because i see ar right now more as a kind of business and oh, commercial yeah. For kind sure. of yeah, yeah. like I, I would love to have ar glasses that work it's, in the real world but it's going to be a slow transition mapping, 
yeah, I'm, I'm I think very you, reluctant. Virtually going to get kind of because Apple's working on an AR VR headset due for release yeah. in late 2022. So you're going to get that, and you know, Oculus. Um, sorry, Meta. With the with the quest <laughs> yeah. to um they they're just really rolling out XR support for the cameras so they can interact with the environment. So I think you're gonna have this awkward middle ground for a few years where it's basically VR headsets will do AR stuff. And then once it hits mm. a point where there's enough consumer stuff to do on the AR headsets, then they'll be like, right, time for some glasses. Yeah, for sure. That makes sense to me as well. For sure. So yeah, I guess we'll have to wait for Apple to fire the starting pistol <laughs> on consumer ar let's do it <laughs> i mean they've, they've slowly have... been building it this is what i mean yeah, they've true. been preparing for this for such a long time they had i think it was ar kit was announced in 2017 2016 was 2017? It that long ago? yeah wow. yeah so they've been slowly building up this catalog of ar apps for years mm. at this point so they're just waiting for it to drop i imagine at this point um and then they've already got literally the biggest collection of consumer focused ar apps from day one like dang yeah, that's been. I think that's been their long plan for a long time, and that's what I've been saying for years anyway. So I hope it's true. Yeah, no, I, I believe that. That'd be like Meta, Facebook, Meta probably yeah. should be a little bit scared of of Apple just like lurking with their kind of secret content. Library. This is what I mean. Yeah, it's like you know, all the apps have a little bit of AR in them, but you're like, you know, they can push that a little bit further. I guess to that point, I haven't heard anything about Qualcomm already building any sort of AR or VR library of content. So even if they are this bridge that I've been kind of speculating on. They still need developers to actually make for it. They're still at the early stages. If they're only starting now, Mm -hmm. then that is a problem. It's early access at the moment with wider access in early 2022 as well. So you've got, yeah, it's going to be limited. Mm. It's going to be limited first. That's going to be that. That's the hurdle to to push over. I think is is content more than hardware when it comes to AR. Well, we'll uh, we'll know more clearly next week what approach Oppo is taking with that, how it's handling content, how it's handling hardware, whether it's aimed at consumers or not. Uh, that's happening on the fourteenth, and I will explain why I'm specifying that in a bit. Um, the other thing, which is not something to I think dwell on in any great depth, is the new NPU. Uh, neural processing unit for those who haven't heard the term um, a lot of chipsets including the snapdragon hm1 and 888 and previous ones mpu is basically their ai subset of uh, subsystem core yeah. um, i guess what i'm not clear on is whether this is an mpu that is designed to be a standalone chip that is just for ai specific stuff or whether it's going to be part of a new piece of silicon that oppo is working on internally yeah. that we don't know it's got to be um, part of something else surely mm. i can't imagine it sitting there i mean it'll be impressive if it could do yeah everything. for sure <laughs> i'm trying to find it in my notes i could try to find the name they get they gave it a name uh or the name is leaked somewhere it's like it's like silmarillion but it's not silmarillion <laughs> But uh, yes, they they've already named this MPU. Uh, we really don't know much else about it at this point. But um, just it's, like it's, the fact that they are, it's where everyone's you go. going these days. Is it's, it's that that's the big thing that all the um, chip makers are pushing is is the AI. It's that kind of side of things. That's where the significant gains are coming. And a few years ago, I was kind of like, well, I don't really care. Like you know, mm. when, when it's when it's a new thing, you're like, it's just it's just buzzwords. Essentially, it doesn't mean anything. But I think yeah, until it's applied. That, yeah, but now it's been around for a few years and, and apps do take advantage of the neural networking stuff. And, you know, even in, even on like kind of PC and Mac side of things, they'll use the AI stuff in Photoshop to help with background image removal. And, you know, it's not just this far-fetched smart assistant stuff that you think of with AI. It's just everyday stuff that we do. And it does, yeah, it does make a difference, I think. Mm. Yeah, expectations on it right now that it's going to be focused on imaging and camera stuff. Ooh. So I don't know whether it's going to be just tied to the camera experience on their next phone that uses this MPU. Um, but yeah, I could totally see it like taking off some of the heavy lifting of real-time filters yeah. or fun VR or AR effects or, or whatever. It's kind of like the, uh, the post-processing that you get from the iPhones. You know, it's just really heavily, I think that lays like, relies heavily on the AI in the later iPhones. Um, so all that kind of, yeah, the post-image processing. I can't remember what it's called on iPhones. There's a special name for it. Of course there is. Um, Oh, there's so many different technologies that Apple uses. I know, brands. yeah. And it's this pro something and, and all this other stuff. But yeah, yeah. Apple's, Apple's post-processing tech, it, you, it yeah. relies heavily on the AI. And it does make a difference because if you're quick enough on some on some um, shots, you, you, can, you can open it before before it's finished yeah. processing. And you're like, oh, and you're like, oh, that's better. So, I mean, yeah. to be fair, even with Tensor on the new Pixel 6 Pro, you don't have to like, you can take your time getting to the gallery. <laughs> And watch the little <laughs> pinwheel scroll up, and then it suddenly pops into like, like the finished ta-da. product. Like, yeah, that's like, that was oh, on purpose. Okay, cool. They want to see. They want you to see just how much better it is. I mean, I do like that. It is quite yeah, nice, same, even yeah. if it, 
even if it suggests that it's actually struggling to do it any quicker than it is. I kind of like the the reveal. It's quite exciting. Yeah, it's like a little before. <laughs> Here's what I made earlier. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, a new MPU, probably camera focused. Uh, sounds like the Silmarillion, but it's called something else. I will fact check myself. Uh, and in the notes for this episode, you will find it there. Um, but yes, that is also coming. Uh, the other thing they've caught or shown off, they haven't really said anything about it, is a retractable camera. Um, on a phone so it looks like a pretty standard it actually the camera arrangement that is shown looks kind of like more like a vivo camera arrangement rather than an oppo one with like two small sensors at the top and then a big one at the bottom and that big one is in a square that physically protrudes out of the phone like a, an old motorized zoom on an old yeah. kind of digital or manual camera from like the 90s or early oh, yeah. 2000s hashtag throwback it does look nice <laughs> It looks cool. It looks all right, doesn't it? It looks cool. And, you know, people were like, oh, what happens when you drop it and stuff like that? But, you know, we've been there before with, with the pop-out cameras. We know that they all retract and they do it in like a split second. And there's, you Absolutely. know, um, and then there's the stuff with durability. But we know from all these things that they're pretty durable. You know, they last. Um, so, in terms of, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm excited to see if this actually does turn out on the phone because I want to use this. I mean, it's, it's, it's obviously going to be for some, I, what I imagine, some kind of Zoom technology that's yeah. much better than the periscope tech that's there at the moment um yeah because i guess it could be doing one of two things it could either be used for focus or it could be used for zoom i doubt it would do both no that's uh, point, i mean obviously actually. like autofocus can already be in the sensor but like um i was thinking like i didn't a even think lens. about manual focus yeah yeah like uh, sometimes that's how like focus can be achieved as well but yeah i guess it's more yeah, zoom makes more sense um i don't i'm curious as to see what the benefit of that system would be over having a, a periscope one where there's no moving segment. It's just yeah. a fixed mod module that has the prism in it. I mean, I'm sure there's still like lots of parts in there that are fragile, but I feel like adding a motor makes it more complicated <laughs> and more susceptible to water resistance and all that kind of stuff, which is stuff we've talked about with pop-up cameras in the past. Um, so yeah, it'd be in interesting to see what benefits they suggest this method of camera zoom or camera whatever it is has over the existing options i think it was actually oppo who i first saw way back when in like one of their first first android phones that broke internationally i think i saw it at at uh ifa um it was the first time i'd seen a periscope zoom on a phone oh, cool. and it was amazing it was five times optical zoom and it blew my mind <laughs> um I so yeah curious to see what the difference my is. first pop-up camera was actually an the Oppo Reno, one of the Renos or something. Oh, like what the shark fin? Yeah, yeah. That was the first time that I'd seen good. it, and I was oh, like, "That's wow. fun. Nice. I really like that." That was the first time I'd seen it in real life. I should I say, <laughs> seen yeah. it online. I kind of wish they'd stuck with that. That was pretty iconic. It was a I bit weird, but I mean, okay. I'm I'm here for the weird. Like I love the Zenfone flip camera. Like I just love a weird <laughs> camera system. I'm just There's it just makes things interesting. Quote for Instagram, Lewis. I'm here for the weird. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's my bio from now on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here for the weird. I'm here for the weird. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued to see what that that manifests as. But yeah, for sure, I'm all for these weird and wonderful technologies. And I hope that one, in some way, shape or form, comes to a, an actual product we, we can buy soon enough. We won't know until... Sure. Um, unlike the MPU and the uh, AR glasses, which are announced on the 14th, I'm not sure which day this is going to get expanded upon. So you'll have to watch both days if they don't talk about it on the 14th. Tune in. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I guess the last big thing that is relevant to us is the Oppo Find N, which yeah. we know Oppo has been working on a foldable for a long, long time. Um, they've not really shown much off at inner days in the past, I don't think. Not like a complete product. The closest thing we got to a kind of crazy concept was the Oppo X 2021, which is the rollable concept, yeah. which is just that phone that you press the button and it, I won't put my hands in front of the mic, expands outwards to become a kind of more tablet square form factor from a traditional rectangular smartphone form factor. Uh, but this is a straight up foldable and they've shown both uh, an image of it with a closed side profile and a full on teaser video where you see it opening up and it is, it's not what I think a lot of people were expecting, which is a Z flip style clamshell. It is a book style Z fold style fold, uh, foldable. Um, I don't know if you guys seen the little video clip. What do you think of the design? I haven't seen the video clip. I've just seen the uh, the still. I haven't seen the video. So I'm if you, if you hop into the piece now, I've embedded the yeah. tweet. Yeah. That I'm literally I'm, I'm on the I'm on the <laughs> site now. <laughs> but yeah, effectively, it, it has the same form factor as the Mimix Fold, the Mate Huawei Mate X2, the Z Fold range, uh, with an external display and an internal larger display. 
Uh, rumors suggest it's a 7.1 inch uh, LTPO OLED, which implies variable refresh rate up to 120 Hz is the expected thing. So that would be kind of on par with what the Z Fold 3 is doing. Um, I'm more intrigued by the external display, even though it's not quite as exciting. I was about to um, say, this looks yeah. really nice. That's that's edge to edge, essentially, isn't it, on, on the front? Yeah. Yeah. I always take renders with a pinch of salt because they always yeah. love putting edge to edge in their oh, renders and then you see the physical bezel on the end, like, end product and you're like, oh, well, that was nice. <laughs> but yes, it looks like it's edge to edge legitimately. And also the aspect ratio to me looks a lot more conventional. Oh, it's not quite as yeah. like yeah. tall and narrow and thin. Like it strikes the, the me. Z4. I feel like it's the same aspect ratio as the iPhones. Like it looks... To me, really? slowing down that little shot where you can see the front, it looks just like an iPhone, like in terms of proportions. So, which is yeah, surprising because that would be quite wide for a thick foldable. But yeah. it depends how thick this is as well. It doesn't look particularly thick. No, but it doesn't look smart, regular candy bar smartphone thin. No. So, it, I just, we'll have to wait and see. And you but can't yeah, see I a think... crease at all. But we'll we'll see if that's <laughs> actually yeah, a yeah. thing on the day or not. I mean, <laughs> having reviewed the Z Fold Three, like head on, you cannot yeah. see. I. I Maintain you cannot see the crease in the pixels. There's no disruption. It is very well done. Just don't you dare move your head like a millimeter to the side. Because <laughs> like the curved pixels. displays. If you're smack bang on, it's absolutely it's perfect. perfect. But as soon as you're a centimeter around, the reflections horrible. are just all over the shop. Yep, refraction everywhere. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it was exciting that we got a name. Uh, it's mm. interesting that they've gone for the find branding. I think because yeah. The Find to me, initially, I can't remember what the old flagship was called before the Reno line, but the Find X, the first one, which had the, I think it was their pop-up camera. It was the first one with like fast charging that went past 30 watts. It was quite ambitious for the day. Uh, that was like their experimental flagship. And then they had a more conventional flagship alongside it. And then with the Find X2 range, that became their flagship, their conventional flagship. It kind of reversed the find n i guess is now going to be the concepty experimentally sub-brand yeah if or is it just is find n just for foldables I, I don't know but it's just interesting that they're keeping the find for their like both experimental and mainstream stuff now i mean it it just doesn't seem like that the, i mean you know the find the fine range is great but like i don't think it has the same brand recognition as as some no. ranges so it's, i don't see why they want to hold on to it like you know if you're yeah. going to start an entirely new look an entirely new range of these foldable devices that's the time where you want to branch out and try something new yeah is, isn't there for the for the regular finds there's like one at well not one at every price but there's like a budget one a mid-range and then then the flagship for sure it. it's usually so what it's not it's not really, a, I, really associated with flagships and stuff so. yeah I think you reviewed the Find X2 Lite, I think it was, wasn't it, an iron? Like, I don't, I don't think one, I've Or the reviewed, Neo, one of them. Yeah, I've one of them. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's a very good point. Like, the Find range is not explicitly flagship anyway, or high-end anyway. So, yeah, so to then move it over to your first-gen conceptual foldable is unusual, hmm. weird. Um, I just, I do think if... If it, if it ends up being that internal display being 7.1 inches, it's obviously going to be a fun device. But how practical is it for a like a what is essentially trying to be a tablet display mm. to be only slightly bigger than the biggest smartphones? It doesn't feel like are you are you gaining enough by just having that size of a screen? When obviously we've seen some of the other foldables, they are bigger those internal displays. Yeah, I think I don't know if I think it was touched on when I was away a few weeks back, but Android 12L is something mm. that yeah. Google's working on to basically make Android better for tablets or large screens. I think that's what the L stands for, right? Yes. Um, the Z Fold 3, you could see the line where Samsung had worked really hard to optimize that big screen experience and multitasking on that kind of screen size. But you could also see where it bumped into Android's native inability to work on those largest displays. Um, so like if anyone who's using an Android phone knows if you go to the multitasking view with all your apps open, you can tap on the app icon and you can select split screen. And you can do that on the Z Fold 3, but that is Android split screen, which means you can only have two apps. If you want to access that three app multitasking or move the windows around, you have to come out of that and then go into it through Samsung's method. And I feel like this is going to this is going to be the same issue uh, that... Any, well, any manufacturer of a foldable like this, a book-style foldable that gets bigger when you open it up, yeah. is going to run into. So it's really down to how well Oppo's software mm. handles that yeah. bigger screen and that transition as well between the two screens. Um, I guess you're less likely to fold it 
open as often as say the samsung because that outer screen looks to be a more conventional size and shape yeah exactly um i think someone said like 5.75 inches Mm -hmm. so yeah a really kind of yeah not too bad at all not too unwieldy based on what we've heard so yeah it's important considering so it's gonna be thick yes yeah the side (laughs) profile the phone looked pretty thick but the camera bump looked very shallow so a lot more shallow than the find x3 pro for example um so that's good i think Uh, i think they've absorbed the camera depth into the body of the phone because they've got so much more room to play with you'd hope Um, so anyway and it's not just yeah you'd think you know subpar cameras (laughs) yeah i mean i'm not expecting concept uh, only huawei i think went for going and putting their best camera in a foldable with the mate x2 and i think Everyone that's why i love it cool. yeah, yeah i mean it's amazing right yeah like ridiculous but if you're gonna like go all out on a thousand foldable yeah. you might as well go all out yeah i get i mean that that's another question like do you think oppo is going to go if this is going to be a consumer product which is expected to be even though it's getting launched next week it's expected to hit the market in 2022 based on rumors um but we'll know for sure next week do you think they're going to go ultra premium mate x2 rival throw everything they got at it or is it going to go more z fold 3 z flip 3 and try and hit a price point that is sort of attainable for the average high-end smartphone consumer like what do you reckon based on what you've seen and and your vibe of the brand and and all of that i would say roughly in line with the z fold 3 but if they can make that external display be more a more compelling experience Mm -hmm. i think they would almost but i i do think that oppo will want might be one of the first brands to try and push that kind of book style folds form factor to the sub 1000 price point Ooh, wow and maybe it'll take a couple of years but i sure think, and do you think because be samsung's already, yeah, I've got, yeah i do because i think that maybe samsung has already got the flip and it's going to focus on making that that cheap one that cheaper yeah. one yeah. it's going to want to have a few hundred pounds or dollars between them yeah and if Oppo is focusing all of its foldable attention onto this one device, I feel it would maybe make quicker progress. Yeah, for sure. I love that. Love that opinion. Be great to see if that was actually the case. Lewis, yeah, what do you I think? So. I still think that they they want to show off that they're the best. Like I feel mm-hmm. like that's what kind of what they want to be. Like you know, you've seen all this other stuff, but wait until you see our foldable next week. Like you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna go crazy. Um, yeah. So I feel like it's gonna be expensive. Because uh, you've got also, you know, was it the Find X, X4 Pro is the latest one? Find X3 Pro? The Find X4 is the one we're expecting. We have a, a rumor roundup on it on ah, the side. Right. X3 Pro is the, the one you can currently buy, which launched the, at, I think it's about just over a thousand pounds. Yeah. It's very, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's expensive, isn't it? Like, I, yeah. you feel you get, you get numb to it these days where there are multiple phones over <laughs> a thousand accept. pounds. But I'm still like, no, a thousand pounds is a lot of money for a phone. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's, there, there is some precedence for them to kind of, but you know, price things highly as well as going for the mid to uh, the mid and budget ranges markets. Mm-hmm. I just, yeah, I think it just depends on, on what the hardware is. If it's if it's the best of the very best, uh, like I think it's going to be, then they're going to price it accordingly. And I think it will be more in Huawei's territory because they don't need to really drop the price down in in the Western world at least because there is no competition in the, in the there's no budget stuff there is just the yeah. high end so like they can for the next few years while there is a lack of competition in in the budget market just relax and and take some money on the high end stuff i don't know that's my no, opinion. no that, that <laughs> seems totally valid i'm kind of there with you um i can't remember the ceo's name but in the kind of uh pete he just goes by pete just signs his letters pete nice. um in the press release that unveiled the name and showed the first image of the find n um, he talks about like the two kind of fundamentals that products like this need to kind of hit and achieve to be to hit their targets, I guess, in terms yeah. of what they want the product to be to be a successful product. Uh, first and foremost, a device must be beautiful is part of the quote. And just the fact that they're going with design first and foremost makes you think it's going to be an expensive product. Oh, yeah, I feel like design is one of the first things to go if you're trying to get more more for less more stuff yeah more value design i think is one of the things that takes a hit usually first whether it's through materials or actual like finishes fit and finish as well like you know that's why budget phones around the hundred pound mark hundred dollar mark are like plastic yeah they can still look nice but they're going to be plastic um so yeah based on that one line alone i reckon they're going to go maybe between samsung and huawei so let's say if the huawei is about two thousand just over two thousand pounds and Samsung's hitting around fourteen hundred pounds. Let's go eighteen hundred quid, somewhere in there. 
17, 18, 100. So that's, that's my guess, somewhere in that, that price bracket. But we don't have long to wait. Um, we are going to be covering it, I know for sure. Uh, we'll probably touch on things like the MPU and the AR, but I think the find end is probably going to be the big focus, yeah. uh, which we'll learn about next week. And that is uh, the 15th is when they're going to be talking about that specifically. So if you're holding out hope for the Oppo foldable, you've got to wait until, is that next Tuesday or Wednesday? I forget which day of the week it is, but yeah, the 15th, December 15th. Uh, Wednesday. So not too long. Wait, Spider-Man release day. <laughs> Spider-Man release day. So you can go watch Spider-Man and then you can tell your wallet, also be ready. We're going to buy a new foldable in the new year. Um <laughs> Maybe anyway, we'll we'll have to wait and see. Like I said, but yeah, I think uh, that's it for this week. That was a, yeah. a deep dive into the potential of Oppo's technical future and a look at the phones that we're not allowed to touch but really want from Motorola right now. Um, we don't know what's going to happen next week. Uh, Dom should be back in the country, but uh, the actual day we usually shoot this is Thursday. Is uh, the day we are going to be having a little Christmas shindig, I think. So. If we do do a show, we might have to pre-record. Um, otherwise, we will let you guys know on socials what exactly is going on with Fast Charge. And uh, hopefully we see you very soon. So thanks for tuning in. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we'll catch you later. See you. Bye. Bye.